Welcome to Rebecca Reads. This week's story is Havoji, as found in Andrew Lang's Brown Fairy Book. This story comes from Iceland. Iceland is an island in the North Atlantic Ocean. It is a beautiful island with lava fields, mountains, and glaciers. It was settled by the Norse. We've talked about them before. They are the people who believed the myths of Thor, Loki, and Odin. Most of Icelandic culture comes from these Scandinavian roots. I would encourage you to look up some pictures of Iceland. It will give you a setting for this story. Don't forget to stay after the story for this week's poem. And now for Haboji. Once upon a time, there lived two peasants who had three daughters, and, as generally happens, the youngest was the most beautiful and the best-tempered, and when her sisters wanted to go out, she was always ready to stay at home and do their work. Years passed quickly with the whole family, and one day the parents suddenly perceived that all three girls were grown up, and that very soon they would be thinking of marriage. "'Have you decided what your husband's name is to be?' said the father laughingly to his eldest daughter one evening when they were all sitting at the door of their cottage. "'You know that is a very important point.' "'Yes, I will never wed any man who is not called Sigmund,' answered she. "'Well, it is lucky for you that there are a great many Sigmunds in this part of the world,' replied her father, "'so that you can take your choice. And what do you say?' he added, turning to the second." "'Oh, I think that there is no name so beautiful as Sigurd,' cried she. "'Then you won't be an old maid either,' answered he. "'There are seven Sigurds in the next village alone. And you, Helga?' Helga, who was still the prettiest of the three, looked up. She also had her favorite name, but, just as she was going to say it, she seemed to hear a voice whisper, "'Marry no one who is not called Haboji.' The girl had never heard of such a name, and did not like it, so she determined to pay no attention. But as she opened her mouth to tell her father that her husband must be called Najal, she found herself answering instead, "'If I do marry, it will be to no one except Haboji.' "'Who is Haboji?' asked her father and sisters. "'We never heard of such a person.' "'All I can tell you is that he will be my husband if ever I have one,' returned Helga." and that was all she would say. Before very long, the young men who lived in the neighboring villages or on the sides of the mountains had heard of this talk of the three girls, and Sigmunds and Sigurds and scores came to visit the little cottage. There were other young men, too, who bore different names, though not one of them was called Haboji, and these thought that they might perhaps gain the heart of the youngest. But though there was more than one Najal amongst them, Helga's eyes seemed always turned another way. At length, the two elder sisters made their choice from out of the Sigurds and the Sigmunds, and it was decided that both weddings should take place at the same time. Invitations were sent out to the friends and relations, and when, on the morning of the great day, they were all assembled, a rough, coarse old peasant left the crowd and came up to the bride's father. "'My name is Habaji, and Helga must be my wife,' was all he said. And though Helga stood pale and trembling with surprise, she did not try to run away. "'I cannot talk of such things just now,' answered the father, who could not bear the thought of giving his favorite daughter to this horrible old man, and hoped, by putting it off, that something might happen. But the sisters, who had always been rather jealous of Helga, 
were secretly pleased that their bridegrooms should outshine hers. When the feast was over, Habaji led up a beautiful horse from a field where he had left it to graze, and bade Helga jump up on its splendid saddle, all embroidered in scarlet and gold. "'You shall come back again,' said he, "'but now you must see the house that you are to live in.' And though Helga was very unwilling to go, something inside her forced her to obey." The old man settled her comfortably, then sprang up in front of her as easily as if he had been a boy, and, shaking the reins, they were soon out of sight. After some miles they rode through a meadow with grass so green that Helga's eyes felt quite dazzled, and feeding on the grass were a quantity of large fat sheep, with the curliest and whitest wool in the world. "'What lovely sheep! Whose are they?' cried Helga. "'Your habogies,' answered he. "'All that you see belongs to him, "'but the finest sheep in the whole herd, "'which has little golden bells hanging between its horns, "'you shall have for yourself.' "'This pleased Helga very much, "'for she had never had anything of her own, "'and she smiled quite happily "'as she thanked Habaji for his present. "'They soon left the sheep behind them "'and entered a large field with a river running through it, where a number of beautiful gray cows were standing by a gate, waiting for a milkmaid to come and milk them. "'Oh, what lovely cows!' cried Helga again. "'I am sure the milk must be sweeter than any other cows. How I should like to have some! I wonder to whom they belong.' "'To your habogy,' replied he, "'and some day you shall have as much milk as you like. But we cannot stop now.' Do you see that big gray one with the silver bells between her horns? That is to be yours, and you can have her milked every morning the moment you wake. And Helga's eyes shone, and though she did not say anything, she thought that she would learn to milk the cow herself. A mile further on they came to a wide common with short springy turf, where horses of all colors with skins of satin were kicking up their heels in play. The sight of them so delighted Helga that she nearly sprang from her saddle with a shriek of joy. "'Whose are they? Oh, whose are they?' she asked. "'How happy any man must be who is the master of such lovely creatures!' "'They are your habogies,' replied he, "'and the one which you think the most beautiful of all you shall have for yourself, and learn to ride him.' At this Helga quite forgot the sheep and the cow. "'A horse of my own?' said she. Oh, stop one moment and let me see which I will choose. The white one? No. The chestnut? No, I think, after all, I like the coal-black one best, with a little white star on his forehead. Oh, do stop, just for a minute. But Habaji would not stop or listen. When you are married, you will have plenty of time to choose one, was all he answered, and they rode on two or three miles further. At length, Habaji drew rein before a small house, very ugly and mean-looking, and that seemed on the point of tumbling to pieces. "'This is my house and is to be yours,' said Habaji, as he jumped down and held out his arms to lift Helga from the horse. The girl's heart sank a little, as she thought that the man who possessed such wonderful sheep and cows and horses might have built himself a prettier place to live in, but she did not say so and, taking her arm, he led her up the steps. But when she got inside, she stood quite bewildered at the beauty of all around her. 
None of her friends owned such things, not even the miller, who was the richest man she knew. There were carpets everywhere, thick and soft and of deep, rich colors, and the cushions were of silk and made you sleepy even to look at them, and curious little figures in china were scattered about. Helga felt as if it would take her all her life to see everything properly, and it only seemed a second since she had entered the house when Haboji came up to her. I must begin the preparations for our wedding at once, he said, but my foster brother will take you home as I promised. In three days he will bring you back here with your parents and sisters, and any guests you may invite in your company. By that time the feast will be ready. Helga had so much to think about that the ride home appeared very short. Her father and mother were delighted to see her, as they did not feel sure that so ugly and cross-looking a man as Haboji might not have played her some cruel trick. And after they had given her some supper, they begged her to tell them all she had done. But Helga only told them that they should see for themselves on the third day, when they would come to her wedding. It was very early in the morning when the party set out, and Helga's two sisters grew green with envy as they passed the flocks of sheep and cows, and horses, and heard that the best of each was given to Helga herself. But when they caught sight of the poor little house which was to be her home, their hearts grew light again. "'I should be ashamed of living in such a place,' whispered each to the other, and the eldest sister spoke of the carved stone over her doorway, and the second boasted of the number of rooms she had. But the moment they went inside, they were struck dumb with rage at the splendor of everything, and their faces grew white and cold with fury when they saw the dress which Habaji had prepared for his bride, a dress that glittered like sunbeams dancing upon ice. "'She shall not look so f much finer than us,' they cried passionately to each other as soon as they were alone. And when night came, they stole out of their rooms, and taking out the wedding dress, they laid it in the ash pit, and heaped ashes upon it. But Habaji, who knew a little magic, and had guessed what they would do, changed the ashes into roses, and cast a spell over the sisters, so that they could not leave the spot for a whole day, and every one who passed by mocked at them. The next morning, when they all awoke, the ugly tumble-down house had disappeared, and in its place stood a splendid palace. The guests' eyes sought in vain for the bridegroom, but could only see a handsome young man with a coat of blue velvet and silver and a gold crown upon his head. "'Who is that?' they asked Helga. "'That is my Habaji,' said she. Thank you for listening to Habaji. How is this story similar to any of the other fairy tales you've heard? Why did Helga get to marry Habaji? The story didn't say why Habaji and his house look so bad. Can you make up a reason? Why does that happen in other stories? Today's poem is Kubla Khan by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. It's a bit of a longer poem. He wrote it when he woke up from a very vivid dream. Before he slept, he had been reading about Chengdu, the summer capital of an emperor in China. See if you can picture what he saw and recognize the things that make it feel like a dream. It reads, In Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf, the sacred river, ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. 
So twice five miles of fertile ground with walls and towers were girdled round, and there were gardens bright with sinuous rills where blossomed many an incense-bearing tree. And here were forests ancient as the hills, enfolding sunny spots of greenery. But, oh, that deep romantic chasm which slanted down the green hill athwart a cedarn cover, a savage place, as holy and enchanted as e'er beneath a waning moon was haunted by woman wailing for her demon lover. And from this chasm, with ceaseless turmoil seething, as if this earth in fast thick pants were breathing, a mighty fountain momently was forced, amid whose swift half-intermittent burst huge fragments vaulted like rebounding hail, or chaffy grain beneath the thresher's flail. And mid these dancing rocks at once and ever it flung up momently the sacred river. Five miles, meandering with a mazy motion through wood and dale, the sacred river ran, then reached the caverns measureless to man, and sank in tumult to a lifeless ocean. And mid this tumult Kubla heard from far ancestral voices prophesying war. The shadow of the dome of pleasure floated midway on the waves, where was heard the mingled measure from the fountain and the caves. It was a miracle of rare device, a sunny pleasure dome with caves of ice. A damsel with a dulcimer in a vision once I saw. It was an Abyssinian maid, and on her dulcimer she played, singing of Mount Abora. Could I revive within me her symphony and song, to such a deep delight twould win me, that with music loud and long I would build that dome in air, that sunny dome, those caves of ice, and all who heard should see them there, and all should cry, Beware, beware, his flashing eyes, his floating hair. Weave a circle round him thrice, and close your eyes with holy dread, for he on honeydew hath fed, and drunk the milk of paradise." And that is another episode of Rebecca Reads. Why don't you try writing your own fairy tale using some of the same elements as the story today? A disguised prince, three daughters, one good, two jealous, magic. If you can't write it, just try telling one. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Keep reading and join me next time for another story with Rebecca Reads.